Hello and welcome to the Cafe Hustle podcast and to this episode with me, Andy Jones. And today I'm welcoming Fran Spence onto the podcast. Now, Fran very nearly became a cafe owner. They went through the whole process, they identified the opportunity and basically got to the point of completion before everything fell through. And we're going to go into a little bit about that today and the reasons why we, they got to that point. But really what we're going to talk about are the lessons that Fran has learned from going through this process and dealing with the the other side and, and some of the things that they would have done differently this time around. Now there's lots of lessons in here for anyone who is buying or selling or ever thinking of buying and selling a business because there's so much that goes into it and there's so much emotion that gets involved, your own emotion, the excitement of either buying a business or selling on your business, which is ultimately the goal of what we're all looking for. So make sure you take note of some of the things that we talk about in here today and how they might help you in the future. So we're going to just jump straight into this episode after we get back from thank our sponsors. Anyone who has tried to create a paper-based systems document for their cafe or coffee shop knows the pain of trying to get everything in order and keep it updated and share it with the team all at once. Train your sorts this problem out with its really easy to use interface, online-based construction of your documents, and it's really easy to share with your team. Head over to thecafehustle.com forward slash train for 10% off your first 12 months and a seven day free trial. So Fran, thank you very much for joining me on the Cafe Hustle. How are you today? I'm well, a little bit warm, having just got off the bike, but all good. Happy it's yeah. Friday. Brilliant. And exercise is important, no matter what business you're in, whatever, you know, how, how busy we are, makes a massive difference to to decompress with exercise doesn't it absolutely it's a it's something i try to do every day um not always consistent but the uh, the effort and the intention is definitely there <laughs> so you're on you've come on the cafe hustle today to talk a bit about your experience of very nearly getting into the hospitality industry very yes. nearly buying a cafe and yes. your experience around that whole journey really so but I'm going to start off with how we always start off what's your personal mission or purpose okay so it's a it's an interesting question um one I have recently been trying to work through uh as you know Andy because I've been uh thinking about potential changes in career so my I mean guiding light if you want to call it that is to make the equivalent of 10 year old me or what is you know now my two-year-old daughter feel that I've achieved something impactful that makes us proud uh now that sounds like a really grandiose statement <laughs> it's a, it's not as quite as crazy as it sounds I'm not I don't have this requirement to be a superhero or a you know lead the country um it's more just I feel like I want to have some kind of higher purpose um I think that's probably driven by I've always had one of my values being sort of justice and um social change but also I've spent the the majority of my career working in finance which there's nothing wrong with that career and it you know there's a lot of good people doing good work but it can feel for someone like me that the value of that is a little against some of those values that I have so it's definitely something that's been on my mind so yeah I'm quite passionate about doing something that has a positive impact for people. And I know when we spoke a few weeks ago and you were talking through 
your thought process of this career change. And it was almost like you're going back to, like you said, that 10 year old you and going, what do I want to be when I'm older and, yeah. and creating a new vision and a new mission for yourself really. And, and that's a really important process to go through, especially even if you're not going through a career change. And we speak about it a lot on the cafe hustle is all about having your values, mission and vision at the front and center of every single thing you do, every decision you make, but you're yeah. almost trying to, you're, you're fundamentally changing what you're, you're going to do as a career. And you're almost yeah. going back to the very beginning of that process. And you know what? It's so hard. So I'm used to in a corporate environment, trying to do this and translate a company's mission and live the values that they've stated and dictated. What's really hard is going back to scratch. And when people ask you things like, what do you actually care about? What gets you up in the morning? If you could do anything and be paid for it, what would it be? And you can't answer those questions. I'm like, I'm in my mid thirties and this is the first time I'm really thinking about this. And that, to be honest, it's a challenge to work through but it also really makes you feel a little bit sad in the sense that you then have, well, how, why did I make the choices I made when I was 10, 12, 15? Why did I study that at uni? Why did I go and be an accountant? And it's, it's, it's all good stuff, but you, you kind of realize that you've lived a nice life to be fair, but um, based on the expectations of society, as opposed to what may have been joyful on a day-to-day basis. And it's, I think as well, and touching on what you're saying about a corporate mission and purpose that we, a lot of us have experienced, certainly that have come through a corporate background. And the reality is that really, I think a lot of the the times where they've created a mission and a vision for the company, it's never really communicated down on a granular level level to individual people that are needing to use that as their guide. And, And that's how I sort of advocate for it to be used. It's it's breaking it down on an individual team basis. And whether that's in a corporate structure where you've got multiple different departments or even in a cafe or a coffee shop where you've got a front of house mm. and a back of house, it's all about breaking it down to the point of view of what do these individuals, what does it mean to their job and their role building towards yeah. that? And I think coming around to my point is, that that is where a lot of us struggle with saying like, actually, what do you mean by this? What, how do I answer that? And it's really actually the most, and I really put on this, the most valuable tool, certainly for young businesses to get their direction, to get their team all moving in one direction. Mm-hmm. And that's why I keep going on about it. And but even on an individual basis, like for us at the Cafe Hustle, we've got it. And it's just me really, you know, working on, on this business now and the same for you you'll have your yeah. own mission and purpose to now go into whatever you're going to go into and it'll make yeah. a huge difference in the long-term sort of progression of the business and I think just just to sort of add to that when I reflect and think there's things in my career where I've done things that were very squarely within and working towards those values and there are things which detracted from it and it's very apparent now in hindsight that the things that were detracting from my values were the things that I, that, that wore me down over time. Yeah. Um, and therefore I needed to stop doing. So it's important yeah. to set it up right at the start. Really. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, I know you've, you've touched on your background in terms of working in finance, but mm-hmm. now tell us a little bit about your process or the, the journey to, to identifying a potential 
cafe to buy and how you got into that situation? <laughs> well, um, it's actually not a very complicated story. So um, always had this kind of entrepreneurial streak, um, as has my husband. So um, we've had a series of businesses that we've sort of grown, scaled, couple that we've sold over the years. More recently, we had started our investment property portfolio and we thought we'd be scaling up to have maybe a handful. Um, what actually happened is we bought one and then the market started to increase uh, sort of purchase prices and we weren't going to get the rental return that we were looking for. So we then thought, well, what alternatives are there <laughs> um, to buying up a property and renting it out? So at that point, we started to explore buying existing businesses. Um, I think turnkey business is the phrase that, that that kind of is banded around that we could maybe spend one day a week looking at, have a management team in place, have a really good, solid team running the day to day and therefore achieve a decent return, but also be a bit more interested in it because there's only so much you can do when you've got a tenant it kind of does itself yeah. after a while mm -hmm. so there was a couple that we looked at we looked at whilst I was on maternity leave actually we did look at the prospect of buying a nursery <laughs> and that was um, a little bit of self-interest because we could have potentially sent our daughter to it yeah. saved the nursery fees but that wasn't really what I was looking to be involved in and the reason we didn't go through with that which is linked to why we didn't go through with the cafe in the end is because although if it was in principle a turnkey business opportunity the owners were very much involved in the day-to-day -day. even as far as doing after school club transport runs and I was just like this is not this is not going to work for us so we went back to the drawing board. We actually went to an agency that was involved in selling businesses, not just in hospitality, but across various different industries. Um, and they they said, oh, actually, local to you, there is an interesting prospect um, that's up for sale. So my husband actually went to view it. It's somewhere that we'd been. We'd been a few times for brunch anyway and enjoyed it. So we were like, oh, this is actually quite a good opportunity. Why not have a stab at that? And that's where we ended up. <laughs> Um, so it quite quickly turned from, oh, well, we quite like eating out to we could probably do this. Um, and what was interesting about it is um, it was very much advertised as there's a management team in place. The staff are all staying and it's going to be continued as it is. And you just need to maybe spend a couple of afternoons there a week, yeah. um, which was attractive to me. And I, I was at the time working in a heavy going full-time job and thought well this is an opportunity for me to go part-time and start diversifying really yeah I think so what you were going you said you visited this place tell us a little bit about what you were observing because I think well certainly something that I tell people if they are looking at buying a business is going to sit in as a customer and see what the feel of the business is and what you pick up on what sort of things were you getting from you know, yep. even in the initial visit when you've you've been there and visited before you got to the point of of making an offer. But then obviously during the process, I'd imagine you were in there as well. Mm -hmm. I think the overarching theme was this is good but not excellent. Um there were a lot of regulars. It was cozy but tired, needed a revamp. The areas where they weren't excelling were areas we had experience in so marketing um that kind of stuff 
they weren't really maximizing the opportunity to new customers so the there was and, and and it was also in a two-story building and they were only using the small space downstairs so I could see loads of opportunities to to expand on the, the capacity and therefore the ability to serve more customers and how to drive them in there so we saw opportunity but we also saw that the foundations appeared to be solid um which is good and it was in a good location as well yeah it is it's a very important Certainly the foundations in terms of the businesses, it needs to be there. And especially if you're looking at a turnkey opportunity where you don't want to be setting this up and building the systems. And if they're all there, more or less operationally, and like you say, the from a branding point of view, and or a refurb would be a natural sort of thing to do with a new owner. Mm-hmm. Then it looks on the face of it that, you know, the bones are there of, of a potentially good little business so what was your process then in terms of putting an offer what were you what did you go through to to actually get to the point of of making an offer on the business yeah so the first thing is uh, depending on how you're approaching this you may be given a bit of a pack with the financial information in it or you might have to ask separately if it's if it's not through a man like an agent see that's uh, that's managing the process but we were given a pack um it detailed that the purchase would be for the assets as opposed to the company um so we were therefore able to have a look at that and make our assessment of the the value of the business and and the ways that we did that were to look at the revenue and the profit and uh, kind of look at how long it would take to pay back our investment against that um allowing for uh, you know a number of scenarios whether that's revenue falling or increasing based on the things that we'd done and then we also looked at what was the physical value of the assets purchased? Because it's always tricky, I think, in that situation. Because if you just added up the secondhand value of the stuff that's in there, it's unlikely to add up to the value <laughs> that they're marketing the business for because you, you're effectively buying goodwill and repeat purchase, yeah. which mm-hmm. is very difficult to value. Um, so my background being commercial finance and a lot of financial modeling, I probably went a little bit overboard with some of that stuff and ran a few different models um it can give you a little bit of a fright in a way but it's it's important to understand how much you can afford trade to drop before you end up with a big black hole (laughs) um so yeah we went through that process and then to be honest outside of that it becomes very much a let's consult a few people that we trust who are in business and we had a few conversations with them floated our ideas about the renovation and potentially opening up for workshops and um, co-working space upstairs and stuff and it it all stacked up in principle so we then put in an offer uh, uh, and that offer was always contingent on renegotiating the lease because the lease was due to end soon Mm -hmm. Um, also contingent on verifying uh, the financial information legal information physical condition of things um so all the usual checks you'd have to do but we at that point in time felt quite excited and quite confident that that everything was going to be fine yeah and in as the process then went on what were you doing were you having more visits what were you seeing in terms of operationally was it still what you thought initially um yes and no so 
we went in for a few sort of <laughs> impromptu visits as well as walking past without going in. And one of the main reasons that we were attracted to it was the idea that there was a team that meant the ownership yeah. didn't need to be physically in the proximity of the, of, the, of the business on a daily basis. But what we did kind of spot is that the existing owners were there a lot. So initially, my thoughts on that were, well, there's going to be a transition period. They might be sorting some stuff out, knowing they're going to sell it. They may want to be there because they're a team and they enjoy each other's company. Um, but there was that kind of unsettling gut feeling about it, that something wasn't right. At the time, I probably brushed it to one side a little too easily because I was very, very busy with my 60 plus hour a week job and toddler. <laughs> yes. um, probably should have trusted my gut more on that, yes. to be honest, in hindsight. Um, and then the other thing I would say I noticed is in the period between us making the offer and uh, what would have been the completion date, they actually changed chef. Now, we did taste the food on both sides. And it was fine in both situations. And the, the chef was actually from another reputable hospitality um, place that we'd been to. And, and and we were happy with that. But it was a little unsettling nonetheless. Because we were like, why did yeah. the old one leave? It's a little bit strange. Uh, what else was going on? We were reassured in many ways. Because we spoke to the existing manager. And they were very passionate about the business. Very loyal to the business. And, and were very keen to stay. And we got on really well. So I think... on. Whilst we had these simmering concerns, we also had a really nice interaction with the existing team. So it, it kind of settled our nerves a little bit. Yeah. So the next step then is, obviously, you've had some red flags. You've seen things that aren't quite necessarily what you've been seeing on paper. And I know we, in our chat we had the other week, I told you about the story of what when we were looking at purchasing a business and the same sort of process, we had that valuation based on, you know, whatever was provided by their agent, which was fine. And on paper, you think, yeah, healthy business, healthy profit margin. Certainly for the size of business, it was a decent profit margin. But before we'd even got to that stage, I'd had a visit similar to you and noticed that the owner was there working. And again, as the process went on multiple visits and mm -hmm. I started to see again that the owner was there working all mm -hmm. the time. They had to be there for that business to operate. And ultimately that valuation didn't take into account those wages. And this it was one of the big things that I was looking out for is obviously having a business, a business that I didn't have to be in all day, every day. Yeah. And as it turned out, that profit margin was actually went to be the owner's wages and yeah. reality to me then the business was worth not much more than the asset value and ultimately it was a no-go there was no systems mm -hmm. in place you know once we dug into it, it was absolutely no it wasn't the opportunity that we wanted yeah. for our business so what was your process then you've started to have these red flags and then you now get to the point of actually finding something that is a deal breaker so the the main thing for me was the provision of the accounts that you're provided with that you're sort of basing all this decision on at that size of business there's no real requirement for them to be independently audited so it's really important therefore for the buyer 
to obtain some form of evidence that that revenue figure is exactly what it, it, it is represented as. And for me, I don't know how much everyone else would go into this, but for me, I also wanted that to be split down into the nature of the revenue. So I wanted to know how much of it was within the core working hours and therefore part of core trade, how much was after hours um, private parties and how much was alcohol because this is licensed as well. So it's almost like, are we a cafe with a brunch menu that makes money or are we a bar that happens to be open in the daytime and sells breakfast because they're very different prospects for a, a you know mother of a young baby who might need to be at home in the evening so that was really important to me to get that split out of what the revenue was and that's where we came unstuck so the systems that were in place were recording the revenue but they weren't splitting out the nature of it so I said can we do like a test period maybe a manual exercise to record the nature of what's coming through the till and therefore, we can make some assumptions about what that means across across the year or period. Um, but they weren't able to do it. And, and at first, I was like, well, is this because the systems don't do it? Is it because we're asking you for something that's going to take a lot of time to do? Um, were we not insistent enough on getting that information? So on our side, it was very much a, the deal is a no-go unless we get this. But we were still proceeding with the rest of the sort of process so we were getting to the point where we were you know two weeks off completion one week off completion still shouting for this information and it wasn't there so that was yeah. the biggest problem for me it is it's, it, it really is and certainly haven't gone through a due diligence process like that especially when you have this vision of knowing what or you what you want this business to do for your lifestyle and that's ultimately what we are doing it for is to create a lifestyle or some end goal, whether it's an exit strategy from that business in the future without doing that due diligence to that level. And I think you can never really go too far. Yes. You can create a lot of work for the seller, but if they want to to complete and go through with the sale and, and why not be as transparent as they can mm-hmm. be. And that's another side of things. If they're, if they are not giving you the reason for, for, for not being able to provide that again, it's another red flag as, as uh-huh. you well found, but these are the sort of things and the extent that we should be going to, cause it's not, a, it's not a small amount of money when we're talking about buying and selling a business. Not and at all. You don't want to be left in a position where you have got a huge amount of debt maybe, or you've got a lot of capital invested in a business that is ultimately a, even if you're just buying the business, it's not a property that you can then sell on as such. So yeah. what what did you then do then? If if you were you're a week from completion, didn't have that information, how did you what did you do? Well, I think if I if I go back maybe a few weeks from there, just to sort of round off um what the other concerns were. So if you imagine the the environment we're in is is this kind of unstable uncertain energy prices going up are people going to have the disposable income all this was sort of the backdrop to this decision so I've talked to you there about that revenue line and, and asking for extra information from the seller alongside that in the background I'm looking at the other lines or the cost lines in in the in the P&L and saying well that's last year's version of that cost what reasonable cost can I expect next year and some of yeah. this may sound trivial but you're talking about things 
where contracts are going to, because remember, we're not buying the business. So the contracts that are in place will not be continuing. We have to renegotiate with suppliers, et cetera. So we're like, well, actually, what's what's our cost that needs to replace that cost in the P&L? So I was doing that exercise and also coming up against some increases in costs for things like renting a dishwasher, um, uh, various other things. So so that was going on at the same time. So we were getting costs were going up. The revenue I was getting less confident about and suddenly the margin, therefore, for that error. And the error I'm talking about there is whether the owner works or not is pretty slim. So um, we got to sort of a week before and we went in actually for what was supposed to be sort of a final handover meeting and to bottom out these issues. And it's it's in that meeting really where we were like, we're not going to get what we need. Um, and it's a funny one because what we had in terms of information may have been satisfactory to someone else. But I, knowing, you know, my background and my husband's background in, in various businesses, it's something we couldn't overlook and I would encourage other people to be as pedantic about it yeah. if I'm if I'm being frank because it is important yeah. I'm not really a, a risk taker I like <laughs> to think I am <laughs> um, but I prefer you know if, if it's 50% and then I'm a bit like ah, oh, well with my effort level and my experience I'll have a good crack at it then yeah, yeah. I can back myself but if it's if it's any less certain than that then I'd, I'd rather kind of look for something else so it, it was at that point where we sort of left and so before we got back to the car we were like we can't do this can we yeah and that's I can imagine and I know the process of going through selling a business certainly from a seller's side there's the emotional strain stress that goes along with it and certainly from the buyer side there's excitement of of buying this business and there's so much yeah. that goes into it and so much effort. How did you feel at that point? Hideous, actually. <laughs> the first thought I had was, I feel ashamed. And that, that feels so weird to say now because it quickly turned to anger. <laughs> but the first feeling I had was shame because I felt like I should have known this we should have stopped this earlier um and then I felt sad for the owners because I was like we should have stopped it earlier they shouldn't have got to the point where they were disappointed and then it quickly kind of went into now I'm frustrated and I've just realized that we've spent many many hours committed a lot of funding and involved friends and family uh consulted an interior designer and a structural engineer countless things yeah. And all that was not worthwhile in some ways. Yeah. So I felt sick, to be honest, knowing that we were going to have to actually pull the plug on it and walk away. Um, yeah. And it was all a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> well, it, like, and, and I know I said this to you last time we spoke. It's not, there's so much excitement around doing mm -hmm. this. And, and it's not even a case of, that rule in your head almost you know you're wanting to take mm -hmm. over this cafe and and you have your vision for it and but you're buying it on the basis that it is it's self-sustaining it's working without the input or direct input daily of a of an yeah. owner and yeah. you're not getting these the information you need to satisfy that and 
if the if the seller's not supplying you with that, then there's very little you can do. And there's no, you talk about taking risks there, but like we talk about a lot is there's, there's very tight margins in hospitality. Generally, you're talking about mm-hmm. some coffee shops, single digit, low single figure digit profit margins, which means they only just surviving, but you sort of factor in a wage for an owner doing someone else's job. Mm-hmm. You're suddenly faced with a business that is a loss making business. Yeah. And you know, yes, you may be able to take it up, to another level and i have no doubt that you you and your husband would have done but there's uncertainty elsewhere as well like you mentioned yeah Yeah. you have to factor that in and it could then become that you create yourself a job which is not the intention so yeah you've got to look at it from that way as well it was it was sad um to have to to end that process we were excited um like the designs that were done for the interior, for example, were amazing. And you were just looking at it, this 3D render of the of the inside being like, this place is exactly what I would want to go into and go, yeah. exactly where I would want to sit, exactly where I'd want to meet my clients for a coffee. And like, this is, you You just, you could see, the vision was there. We just yeah. could not have the confidence that it could be backed up with the numbers. And, and that's where the, it was just intensely frustrating <laughs> to have yeah. to stop. So in hindsight then, where, how far would you have gone? And at what point in hindsight, and I know that's a great thing because you don't, you get to see the full picture, but what was there something earlier in the process that you could have said, actually, this isn't going to work. What things could you have looked or in hindsight looked out for, for to stop yeah. the process then? I think just before we even instructed a solicitor, I think it would have been prudent to push harder for some of this financial information. So I expected that it would take some time to pull together. So we were like, right, whilst you get that together, we'll crack on because we want this to happen and we want to get in. So I think in hindsight, I would have quelled my impatience until we had more concrete evidence of the historic revenue now I say historic revenue because we still may have needed a little bit more confidence for future revenue <laughs> because of all the things we talked about the other thing that in hindsight I would have done is probably recruited friends and family to go and we did do this but not in not as intensely as we probably should have recruited friends and family to go in and almost give us a report of who was there and and was it as described how many customers were there in there and at different times in the day so we we sent people in but we sent them in in hindsight at what would have been the times that were busy <laughs> so that was yeah. a little naive in a way um and we did find out that they were closing early on some days which was again a red flag yeah. it was sensible in the way that they weren't paying staff to be there when people you know customers were not but then it's like why were the customers not there so hindsight is a wonderful thing I think get those financial documents evidence however you need to get it even if it's getting their bank statements it can redact you know black mark out things that they don't want you to see but you need to see the revenue hitting each day where it's meant to be um and 
you know, split by day, split by month across the year if you can, split by product type, however you feel you need to slice it, they need to be, you know, the burden of proof is on the seller to provide that information and you should feel confident about that. And, And that is the, in hindsight, that's the one thing that I feel I should have been firmer on earlier. Yeah. And there's lots of lessons in there. You know, it's having that, those things, those ideas, like sending people in, it's, it's all extra information that you're pulling together to paint that picture of, you know, verifying what's being sold to you. Mm -hmm. Well, at the end of the day, it's business. And certainly with the POS systems that we've got nowadays, there's no reason why that breakdown can't happen. And the account and software on the backside of that Mm -hmm. is so, can be so granular Mm -hmm. that you you can split between your day sales and, you know, catering events or special events that go alongside that. So yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's being, being diligent in your process and have confidence in your expectations because you're putting a huge amount of money up. So obviously you've moved on from that now. Just tell us a little bit about what you're now going to do. Well, it's been a process. I spent the last, um, two months really taking a bit of time out to think through what I want to be when I grow up is probably the best way of putting it and I still don't know the main answer to that Um, however what I have realized is that I do have this passion for business and whilst I've worked in some you know mammoth companies uh, you know multiple billion turnover companies and that's been great I feel like I have a lot of experience from them that I want to turn to you know, small companies. So from founders through to, you know, companies up to, you know, 50, 100 employees um, who who are trying to scale and grow and aren't really sure which direction to point in, because that's where the excitement is for me. And um, it's all about making those businesses better. So I'm, I'm going to try and try and do that for a little while, I think. Well, that's brilliant. Listen, thank you so much for sharing your experience. And obviously you didn't get into this amazing industry, which it is. But and it doesn't stop you getting into it in the future either. And I think you'll approach it totally nope. different next time. But I think your your lessons Absolutely. that you've learned, it's great to be able to share them with people that may either have started a business and are looking at that second location and may actually come up against these things, or even people that are just getting into the industry. The last thing you want to do is to jump into an industry and be sinking a sinking mm-hmm. ship before you even get yourself going. So yeah. I really, yeah. I'm really thankful that you've come on and, and spoken about this because it wasn't an easy time for you or your husband, but mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing it with our audience. That's okay. That's okay. You are most welcome. Yeah. Listen, thank you very much for coming on the Cafe Hustle, Fran. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Fran there. Um, there's lots of lessons to be learned whether you are buying or you're thinking of selling your coffee shop because there's a lot of planning that goes into this process and will save a lot of heartache and time and money down the road. So certainly if you're buying a coffee shop, you need to make sure that you are very clear about what you expect in terms of numbers, especially if it's a turnkey shop that you're expecting is going to operate as is into the future. You need to be really upfront and your vision of what your what numbers you're expecting, what type of data you're expecting from the seller and make sure there's a deadline for receiving it and likewise if you are selling your coffee shop or certainly if that's part of or any part of your plan in the future you need to really start planning now make sure all your figures and your reporting is in order it's up to date 
it reflects what's really going on in the business any hours that you work as an owner in terms of behind the bar or in the kitchen or wherever you work make sure that is reflected as a cost to the business because as soon as you get into a position where people are looking for these figures and dig into them and they identify that actually there's there's wages that should have been going to a person but actually you are covering them as an owner that starts to raise a red flag for anyone who's buying the business so make sure that everything is being reported properly in your figures if you're ever thinking of of selling in the future but anyway i really hope you enjoyed this episode if there's anything any questions around that that came up in this episode drop me an email to andy at the cafe hustle.com and i'll get back to you it is a really difficult part of what we do as business people which is buying and selling businesses it's really quite a a stressful time and there's a lot of things that go into it so it's always worth putting that ground the, the groundwork in before you get to to the last minute and we're you know taking a punt on something or pulling out of of a deal so lots to think about anyway thank you again for joining me on the cafe hustle and i look forward to welcoming you on our next episode